This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 629. Success is not a surprise to anybody who's successful. It's it's in fact it's surprising when you don't get it. Like if you if you had somebody driving for dollars three times a week, mailing all those things, had a sales guy answering the phone, meeting with people, and you didn't land a deal after a year, I would be surprised. I'd be like, wow, something went wrong in that system. Obviously, the machine just was broken. But like I'm surprised because I feel like it should have worked. Uh, and I would say usually the reason those machines don't work is because you invented the machine yourself. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast, here today with my co-host, Robert Abasolo. In today's show, Rob and I are going to be interviewing my former co-host and best friend, Brandon Turner, a staple in the Bigger Pockets community. So if you are new and you don't know who Brandon is, you are in for a treat. Rob, good afternoon to you. What were some of your favorite parts of today's show? Oh, man, very tense show, man. I felt like like Brandon was staring me down the whole whole time and like I was stepping on some shoes. No, I'm just kidding, man. It, it was really great. That's a good point. Like, <laughs> what was it like to meet my ex? <laughs> it was really great, man. I was like, all right, I ha- this has to be a good podcast or else, or else I will have failed at my job. But honestly, I don't know if we've ever laughed quite so much, you know, since in my short tenure as a co-host on the Bigger Pockets podcast. So at a really great time. Brandon's always a, a, a hoot. As they say, we came up with a really fun acronym that we'll be revealing at the very end of the the episode. We talk a lot about uh, personal brand development and you know how you can use social media to boost your real estate career. That's exactly right. So Brandon was instrumental in hosting this podcast with Josh Dorkin to get it started, building it to what he is. He's the best-selling author of several books. One of them, the book on rental property investing, is the best-selling book in the entire real estate world, period, which is pretty amazing. Uh, he's also my best friend, which is really his biggest accomplishment. And about what it was like six months or so ago, I'd say maybe longer, he he left the podcast to focus full time on his company ODC, where they raise money and buy apartment complexes, mobile home parks, really big cash flowing stuff, and make money for their investors. So on today's show, we sort of get into what Brandon has done to build his email list, to build his social media following, to build credibility and trust with other people so that they are willing to lend him money and how our listeners can do the same. Before we get into the show with Brandon, let's get to today's quick tip. Today's quick tip is brought to you by Rob Abasolo. Listen, guys, if you are looking to jumpstart your real estate career, if you want to get into content, I think you don't need to overthink what kind of camera or microphone that you guys have. All right. You know, at the end of the day, they say that the best camera on the market is the one that you have on you. So my quick tip is put yourself out there because even before I was raw built on YouTube, I was striking up partnerships, I was taking on investors, and I was partnering with people all over the place just by simply making content on social media and talking about my Airbnb journey. And you can do it too, guys. You really can. How'd I do? That was amazing, especially because you had to make all that up on the I know, man. I had no idea I was going to drop it How on How dare you? Now, just a uh, announcement to everybody. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit longer than usual. We went into overtime because it's not every day that we get to have Brandon back on the show. And we know that the nostalgia factor will be pretty real and high for many of you, which is exciting. So make sure you listen all the way to the end because there is a challenge that has been dropped between Brandon and I regarding our text letters. And I would love your participation and you don't want to miss out as well on Rob's amazing acronym that he created on the spot. So listen all the way to the end. And participate in the challenge. Please, Brandon's not here anymore, so I can just say, vote for me. And one last thing, we have a great show today, and I want to provide even more value to you for taking your precious time to listen to our show. Brandon, the master of branding Turner, has recorded a video for you to watch on that topic, and it's free. 
Head over to biggerpockets.com slash RE show to check that video out. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. All right, let's bring in Brandon. Brandon Turner, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Uh, I know nothing about you. I'm not sure how we even got you booked on the show or why you're here. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you have to do with real estate investing and why we should be talking to you? Yeah, guys, it's such a good honor to be on uh, Deeper Pockets. I've uh, I, I've heard a lot of good things about the show, uh, but uh, you know, I don't know. I, my my agent booked me, but uh, so anyway, uh, what do you guys talk about on Deeper Pockets again? Yeah, like how to spend money on houses and, you know, how to how to manage uh, crazy tenants and stuff like uh, that. That's a, that's a lame. T- let, let's switch gears today and let's talk about something more fun. Uh, do you hear about CrossFit? Can I tell you guys a little bit about <laughs> CrossFit? No, I, how do you, I have yeah. it actually. <laughs> how do you, how do you know somebody? Yeah. How do you know somebody's in CrossFit? They'll tell you uh, when they, when they say terms like "wad." Yeah, there, there you go. All right, so uh, I'm Brandon Turner. I was the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast for a long time. Uh, I don't know how many years. A long time, nine ish years. Uh, and then there was a, a mutiny, and Rob kicked me off. So now I uh, I live under a bridge uh, somewhere outside of David's uh, house, and he feeds me occasionally, and it's it's all good. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. For those that are new to the podcast. I'm a bit of an M&M to Brandon Turner's Dr. Dre, if you will. So mm. Brandon's the man responsible for pretty much you hearing me right now and anything to do with That's me having an opportunity other than 
real estate investing. So thank you for that. Wow. And thank you for coming back. I just mentioned you on the show that we were recording about how I needed a really clever name. Rob, do you remember what I was saying I needed a name for? And I was saying, which brand? Uh, was so, some, something about like the 1099 mentality. And then yeah, I believe you were like, oh yeah, this is this is one of those moments where I really miss Brandon Turner. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the fact that new investors have a very difficult time adapting to this space because it's an entrepreneurial mindset you have to have. You have to be creative. You have to have like the 1099 mindset, which is I got to figure out a way to solve a problem. And yeah. that means that I have to work past five o'clock sometimes. Or I can work on a Saturday, not a Tuesday. Like there's flexibility. And when people bring the W-2 mindset into real estate investing, they're just constantly frustrated because this world will not honor the way that they're used to thinking. And I was like, I wish I had a word for what that's like when their expectations are the W-2 way. And that's, I was, mm. I had a little tear come down my cheek. Like I wish my <laughs> was here. he was always good at this. It was well, more than a tear. It was more. <laughs> it was a sob. We had to tell uh, the editor to, we, we had to have him cut out <laughs> 10 minutes of David sobbing. Well, if you want, to, if you want a real connection there, I don't want. We don't need to go into this because we've talked about it on the show many times before. But the BPCon speech that uh, I gave last year at uh, what twenty twenty one, right? And David, you came up on stage and did it with me. We talked about those four mindset levels of entrepreneurship, right? There was like the DIY level, which is like, how am I going to solve this problem or build this business? And then there's like the the project manager level, which is like, I'm going to hire my you know brother in law or cousin or whatever, you know, some person I know to do that thing. And then there's like the COO mindset, which is I'm going to build a business. And there's like the fourth level, which is like, I'm going to inspire a team and I'm going to be the visionary that leads it, but I'm not actually doing anything, right? There's like the four levels. So here's where I, I bring that back to what you just said. People bring the mindset at which they were at at their job into their real estate so often, right? So if they were a DIYer in their job, which 99% of jobs are DIYers, unless you're a middle manager, then you're probably a project manager. Unless you're a CEO or CEO, then you're that. But you bring what you brought in, right? So when Jay Scott, for example, book on flipping houses, Jay Scott, when he got into flipping houses, it never occurred to that guy to go and pick up a hammer. Because guess what he was at whatever, whatever tech company, I don't know if it was Microsoft or Google or whatever, but mm -hmm. he was a project manager. That was literally his job. So what did he do when he came in? He project managed. Uh, when I got into real estate, what did I do? I picked up a hammer because we, t we carry the mindset in which we left our job or which we currently are at a job Absolutely. into our real estate. And uh, it's not always a bad thing, but it, it can be a limited, limiting thing. So... Yeah. If you want to tie that into today's topic a little bit, the fourth level there, which I mentioned, I call the architect. It's like that visionary, they kind of inspire. And the the one of the greatest ways to do that is to have like a personal brand or a uh, a following of some kind, or at least to have a good like reputation out there in the world. Uh, that's how you kind of elevate to that fourth level. And so that's why today, when we were talking about what we we're going to talk about today, I thought that would be a cool topic. Yeah. So do you well, feel like you have to do all, like, do you have to earn your rite of passage in each of those levels? Or do you think mm, it's possible to kind of dude, skip around or kind of move that is from question. one to the other faster? That is the question. I mean, I could spend hours on this topic, but here's, here's what I, I would say to that. Number one is you do not have to, if there's one thing you take from today's show, I hope it's this, you do not have to move through them. Everybody does almost entirely. Most people move through them, but you do not have to. You have a full, complete, 100% choice on where you begin and where you begin matters because like every level has a limit. 
You are not going to be a multi, you know, huge millionaire working four hours a week sitting on a beach if you're the DIY mindset. You just are not doing it because you your money is tied to the hours worked. So you can choose, and this is easier said than done, but you can choose mentally, say, I'm going to approach it this way. And I'll give you that, the hack for doing that, by the way. Remember those WWJD bracelets that everyone wore back in the 90s? Like, what would Jesus do? It was like, should I smoke this you know, cigarette? What would Jesus do? And you point to your wrist and then you don't do it, right? It's that, that, that concept. Uh, like, I literally want to have a bracelet that says like WWEMD. What would Elon Musk do? What would Richard Branson do? So think of the person you want to, like, who is the ideal person in that category? Whether you want to be a COO type level, you want to be a, more of the architect level, where you want to be a project manager level, who is that guy or girl? What would they do? Uh, and that's the easiest hack to start thinking in that mindset. So yeah, you can choose, Rob. Great question. That's very tangible advice, I think. I, I have to remind myself that I don't always have to do everything. I'm kind of like in between two and three right now, but I want to be a yeah. four but I mm. don't want to quickly move up there until I've really cut my teeth on like this 2.5 stage that I'm at right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, being at four, that architect level, not, not that I'm always there, but I feel like when I built like the current company I have, which is called Open Door Capital, by the way, I never explained the story. We can come back to that. I built a big real estate company. We did a lot of cool stuff. I was on the podcast for years. I wrote some books, but when I built the current company, Open Door Capital, which now we just, I think we just, we're right on the verge of 4,000 units. When but when I built that, I said, I'm going to build this like an architect. Like, I'm not going to move through it. I chose to build it as an architect. And so to do that, and this is my encouragement to anybody out there who wants to operate their business in that way, to be a Elon Musk or Richard Branson, the, the number one thing to do is to hire yourself a CEO or a COO. And again, easier said than done. But that's the key is if you want to elevate to the next level, you hire the one at the current level. If you want to stop painting your rental units and answering the phone when a tenant calls, what do you do? You hire a person to answer the phones and paint. So now you're a project manager. Uh, but if you want to just jump right up to the top, go hire yourself a good COO. And here's the thing that's so powerful. When you have an, an online presence of any kind, I don't care if you're experienced or brand new, when you start building that now, that allows you to connect with people and network in a much bigger way than you could ever do in the old world. Like, you know, where you actually have to go physically to go handshake people. Ooh, and so you can find taboo. people, right? I know, I know. I don't like touching people. Uh, now you get to touch people online, right? And it's way less creepy and less like germy. In, in the metaphorical sense. Yes, yes. In the meta, purely in the metaphorical, meta, meta, metaphorical sense. Anyway, so the idea being, this is like, like if you want to elevate yourself, why would we want to do that? Because you make more money and you work less hours. I mean, that's, that's awesome about being elevated and you get to inspire people. Uh, having a good reputation, especially having a good reputation is, is, is key online because you can find people to work on your teams to get you to that next level. You can find your CEO, your COO, your project managers, your whatever. So that's, that's been my focus a lot the last like six months. Ever since BPCon, I've just been like every day thinking on this concept. So my thought was so like I just gave you permission. I just called I, I I just called on you. you. Can't help it, man. You yeah, may I can't help it, man. Yeah, you, I'll it's allow you like, to speak now and ask a question, David. What would you? I take say? it like when you're around your dad or something, and you're getting to drive somewhere that he's like, give me the keys, and he drives your car. <laughs> yes. this is just how this thing works. So. Yeah, you automatically go back to those. Like when I go home for Christmas to my family, right? Like I'm instantly like back into like I'm like 12. My sister's 13. My brother's 10 and nine, and we're like fighting in the back seat of a minivan. It's like we're right back there again it's anyway david what did you want to say <laughs> when you described your four levels thinking right i think yep. there's a fallacy that people have that the diy level is 
the is like the wrong way to do it. And the higher you go up this list, the easier it becomes. And so what you're trying to do is just put aside the temptation to do it yourself. And with every level, it becomes easier and easier and easier. But that's not true. It's a different set of skills that you have to do. And there may be a higher value at being an architect versus do it yourself. But that doesn't mean that you just become an architect. You don't just stay. I mean, there's a skill of project management that Jay Scott had built. And often that's what stops the DIYer from going up is they don't know how to win at that level. So what we're really describing here is how do you build the skills to be good at every single yeah. level? Because we do want to be progressing upwards, but it doesn't just happen. You don't just get a promotion. And when you're at the level that you've achieved, Brandon, where you are raising money, you're hiring people, you're sort of calling the shots with Open Door Capital, I was wondering if you would share what are some of the skills that you've had to build so that you can do those things to earn the right to get to the level where you're at now? Mm, great question. Yeah. So I'll, I'll lay out a few of them. So first of all, uh, like if, if I want to move from DIY, so when I was originally got into real estate, right, just like a lot of people listening to this, my wife and I were out there till two in the morning, painting rental units every, you know, at, before a tenant moves in, we were taking all phone calls. We were doing all that stuff. So that is where we all started, or at least most people tend to start is doing all the stuff themselves. The skills needed to get to that next level. If we want to just jump one level at a time, I want to go from that to project management. All right. So what does the project manager need to do? They need to know how to set like an, like an out, like a scope of work. Like this is what needs to get done. Now, obviously this is industry specific. So different industries have different requirements, but basically you're saying, this is the job I'm going to hire you to do. I'm going to hire a property manager to manage my tenants. Like that is what my job is going to be. Uh, I'm going to hire a contractor to go do this job and you need to keep them on time and on budget. Now I personally hate that level. I hate project management more than probably any other thing in the world. Like I would rather DIY or, or, or jump to the other one. And this is why you brought the point. It's not that any of the levels are bad. Like I like DIY and there are areas of my life. I choose to DIY uh, business stuff because I like it. I like being involved with that stuff, but there are areas of my life that I really, like, I don't want to be a project manager typically ever. Uh, so anyway, so if I want a project manager, I got to be able to set schedules for people and hold them accountable hire the right third party people, all that next, if I want to be a COO or like the CEO, COO, however you want to call that, like you really got to understand how to a hire internally. Cause you're probably building an internal team at that point, but you need to know how to organize that whole thing. And this is where the book traction from Gino Wickman comes in really handy. And we had Gino on the podcast a while back. Uh, it's like that is a system in which you manage all of those people in the organization. If you want to visualize this, by the way, a COO, like that level, I think of as like you're in the middle and there are a bunch of roles around you. Like you are the center and you're meeting with all these people that are on your team and you're inspiring them and you're pouring into them. And it's amazing. It's, it's, it's a cool spot to be in. But if you suddenly got hit by a bus, like it's, it's painful for the team because you were the team lead, you were running everything. You were like there as like the CEO. Um, the, that's the difference between the fourth level than the architect. The real skills you need to learn there are things like inspiration. Uh, you need to be problem solving, uh, delegation at a, at a large level. Um, not just like, Hey, I'm going to let you choose how to run that, you know, whatever, how to paint that wall. But like to the point of like, you might even choose what properties we buy. Like you're delegating large things at that level. Uh, and really you're just working on like brand. I mean, at that point, like the fourth level is largely about brand. Richard Branson can own 150 companies and raise all this money to buy these companies and do all this cool stuff because Richard Branson is a freaking cool individual, right? And so people are like, oh yeah, Richard Branson's doing it. Okay, yeah, let's do it. Oh, Elon Musk is doing it. Yeah, let's let's do it, right? It's, it's because they have this persona 
that just radiates out energy from that level. Uh, and because of that, like the team can be built just based on that radiance. But the person's not in the middle. Like they're not even involved. Like they might not even know what's going on. I doubt Richard even knows half the companies he owns. But it's his energy that drives the growth of those. Does that make sense? So, so let's talk about that. If you want to build something like that, what are some things that people need to be aware of that will work or what's a strategy they could have? What have you learned since you've left the podcast about how to grow that personal brand? A couple of thoughts. I mean, we can, we can dive as deep as you want on this. It's like a, I can do a master class on this topic here. Um, first of all, let's talk about what a personal brand is for a second. Cause I think like I have a friend, uh, who's an attorney and very different mindset, like very W2 mindset, but she always makes fun of me if I ever say the word personal brand. Cause she's like, that's no such thing. You either are a person or your brand. You cannot be a personal brand. And I did, I differ because the word brand, like if I were to ask you guys about Coca-Cola's brand, what is that? Right. Is it, is it their logo? I mean, that's part of it, right? Maybe is it their colors that they use? Is it the cute like snow? Uh, was it the little polar bears they use at Christmas time? Like what is Coca-Cola's brand? And this is how I define your brand or your personal brand is it's how people think about you when they think about you, right? Like how do you think about Coca-Cola when you think about Coca-Cola? And the answer to that, that the bulk of people, when they think about Coca-Cola, what they think about, that is your brand. So if people think of, David Green, what are they thinking about is, is who David is? Like, I, I still think of, and largely books can help with this, right? So I think of David as like long distance investor. He's really good at that. He loves the birth stuff. He's awesome at the birth stuff. He's a real estate agent. That's one of the best in the world. Like when I think of David, I think of like ridiculously large, strong arms that are like <laughs> bulging because i don't know if you guys have seen david lately but his can, can his arms yeah his arms and shoulders look like he looks like the incredible hulk but like a more handsome version and he's not green it's, it's wow. insane when i think of right when i think of david that is like david's like a large piece of david's brand and now getting into vacation rental stuff and like it's how i think of you is your brand and so i would argue that every single person out there rob you're included and everybody has a personal brand right now but most of the time we're not even thinking about how to improve that or why that even matters. So that's what, when I say personal brand, that's all I'm talking about is what do people think about when they're thinking about you? You know, it's, it's very funny that you say all this because my former life before I was a podcaster, YouTuber, content creator, I was actually in advertising. I'm a copy, creative copywriter by trade. So literally like that. my, my Dude, entire I was, career. Just this morning, I was like, I need a copywriter to help me with some copy. I don't know a single copywriter. I said that to my assistant today. I was like, I don't know a single copywriter. Look at that. Here the universe go. brought look, me one. You're looking at senior creative one. copywriter. I've written. All right, well, I'm going to need you to quit. I'm going to need you to quit <laughs> this podcast and come help me on copywriting from now on. All right. Anyway, keep going. Well, it's just, it's funny because of the amount of scrutiny that all of my clients had. Like I worked for Gatorade, for Hyundai, for Sonic, for Old Smoky Moonshine, you name it. I've, I've worked for so many brands and there's so much scrutiny that goes into like the brand, right? And like, oh, that, that word, that's not very Hyundai or that's not very Gatorade, you know? Yep. And so my whole career, I'm like so scrutinizing like what brand really means. And now that I've quit advertising, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm fine. Like, I'm good. I'm good to break rules and stuff like that. And so for me, I'm very focused on developing personal brand and who I am. But I really have to, like, really challenge myself to just kind of push the limits of what that means, because I also don't really like being conformed to, to the box of a brand sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think you have to define it like we are like Coca-Cola is a soda company. Like that's sure, not sure. my brand. Like the brand's evolving. It's just like, how do people think about you? I mean, like if you're posted on Facebook, like 
like, you know, inappropriate comments all the time or you're negative all the time and complaining, like when you're posting on or an Instagram comment, that's just like, that's the brand you are building. And people don't realize that that's like the things you do today affect your ability in the future. So going back to that, what we said earlier about this idea of like, does this apply? Does this concept apply to new investors? Or is this something I'm talking about people who want to raise millions of dollars like we do? It, it's, it applies to everybody, especially if you ever want to bring on a partner ever. You got to know that your partner is going to check you out on online and figure out who you are. Uh, if, if you ever want to raise money in any sort, maybe you want to raise a hundred grand to help fund a flip. You want to raise a hundred million dollars to buy an apartment complex and everything in between. Like the brand you build today, I mean, the brand you're going to have in the future you're building right now, right? It's like that great quote, like dig your well before you're thirsty. If you ever think you're going to need to raise money from people, start building your brand today. Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to have a logo and colors and a, and a beard or whatever. Like, you know, like we, I go a little overboard sometimes with like the branding, but it's just pay attention to who you are. And, uh, and then if you want to be to supercharge it a little bit, you can get into the world of content creation, which is what the three of us do online. Uh, and we do that for a reason. Not just because we have big egos, but because it actually grows our business to crazy levels. Uh, it's like, I don't know. It's like magic, isn't it? Like, remember back in the day, like you'd have to like go to conferences like every week and go speak and go meet with people and meet with hundreds of people. And then maybe a couple of them might invest with you and you could raise a few million dollars like, like over the course of 10 years of doing that. And now it's like you could have a podcast or you could have a YouTube video or you could have a TikTok dance mm -hmm. and it's crazy. Anyway, Rob, I'm going to yeah, throw David. it to you in a second to ask about content creation specifically, because you sort of did it from the did ground you? up. Oh, I thought you just pulled a Kanye. Like, I'm going to let you finish in just a second. But Beyonce <laughs> was, you know, <laughs> the real. Yeah, MVP. I was, yeah I, but I was yeah. uh, calling on yeah. David because he raised his hand. Nah, yes. Right. Yes. Okay. You see what you've done, Brandon. You've now put Rob in the position <laughs> yeah, where he's like, I will allow David to speak. You have the floor for 30 <laughs> seconds. See, Rob, let me teach you a few things about handling David here. For number one, you have you have to put him in his place right away. Like it's like going to prison, find the <laughs> right. biggest guy and knock his teeth out. Dave, you have to knock him out right away, and then he'll he'll do whatever you say. Keep going, David. That was I'll the only piece it. of advice you had. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's it. it. Just hit David. Yeah, just I only have one. walk up and punch yeah. him in the mouth. Watch up, watch up. Yeah, walk up, punch him in the mouth. You're fine. You're fine. All right, David, you were saying. You know what's going to happen at BPCon now when I'm surrounded by just thousands and thousands of people that are like, yeah, yes, that's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so so Rob, you did it from the ground up without a platform like Bigger Pockets. So I think you have a lot to contribute to yep. this conversation. But what I wanted to point out about what Brandon said, what I don't want to get, what I don't want to have be overlooked. There are certain phrases that in our industry and other industries they trigger a response that isn't really accurate to what the word means, but it can be associated with things that people don't like. So HELOC for a long time, like we don't think about it bad now. But if I go back five years, 10 years, saying HELOC made people bristle up immediately like enemy, bad. That's how you you use HELOCs to do bad things and you lose your house. Um, appreciation, I, I mentioned several times, has sort of been lumped in with speculation. So when people hear the word appreciation, they automatically think you're taking a risk. And I'm like, every time I say that word, I then have to go defend what I meant by when I say it because nobody's yeah. trying to understand. Networking has that connotation. It sounds like you're walking around glad handing people, handing out business cards, schmoozing yeah. in a very unnatural way that nobody likes, right? So I, I, we're trying not to say the word networking. What we're actually trying to describe is go meet people, make connections, build genuine relationships, and then they're going to want to help you. 
brand has that same vibe to it. I hear like a lot of professional athletes are describing is I need to build my brand. And it just sounds very pretentious. It sounds like kind of douchey. It's a, oh, like you're not that important that you need to have your own brand. But if we use a different word to describe what they're actually saying is my reputation, the way that people feel when they think about me, that's very different. I I could get behind that. And I want to highlight this is what you're getting after is when I go look at like say Brandon's TikTok, what or sorry, his Instagram, I was warned by Brandon not to go on TikTok because it's addicting. So <laughs> I've never actually done it's it. Addicting. But your your I'm Instagram I'm, I'm t- there, tends to be very uh like inspirational and uplifting. And it gives me like a good feeling whenever I see it. Like it's kind of like like a puppy. Like you feel good when you're gonna see a puppy, right? Other people's Instagram give me the appealing the feeling of this person just wants attention. They're they're posting things because they want to be noticed or they just want to be controversial for the sake of being controversial. They just throw things out there to see what's gonna fire people up. Uh, if you think about the way that you impact other human beings, it is an incredibly smart business move because other people will subconsciously make decisions about pleasing those they like. So if you want someone to bring you deals, if you want someone to share their contractor with you, like you guys all agree, we don't share our contractors with just anybody. Like you're not going to let your girlfriend get in a car with just anybody, right? Like <laughs> You know this person really trusts you and they'll leave you alone with their wife or something like that. Uh if, if people don't trust you, they're not going to tell you about the secrets that they have where they're really going to help you versus if they like you, they want to see you win. They are way more likely to give you those um, like l- little ins. And so that's one of the reasons, Brandon, I think you people know your heart is so good that they're more likely to lend money to open or capital because I, I would be thinking Brandon wouldn't put a person on his team that's not a good person. Like Brandon's not going to put his name behind this if it wasn't a good product. And if you don't have that with your sphere of influence, if people don't get that impression when they look at you, you're never going to know it, but they're not going to be sending good things your way. That's a really good way of putting that. You know, like, and I love that you brought up the fact that like, they see what I, they see me on social media. This is why social media is so, I think so valuable for people who want to eventually raise money or bring partners in or, or build any kind of real estate business. It's because people like to do business with people they like. So what's the fastest way or the, maybe the not fastest, the best way to build like trust and like, yeah, knowledge, like, and trust, right? Those like know, like, and trust are like the three keys. And once they know you, like you, and trust you, people will want to work with you, give, give you money, partner with you, whatever. So how do you develop that? And then more so, how do you develop that at scale? Social media allowed that more than anything else ever. And so people will watch me for years. I mean, there's people right now listening to this probably who listened to me for seven years on a podcast, eight years, nine years on a podcast. And then invested with me because they were like, oh, now I, I, I know him. I feel like I know him because I've seen how I, I was there when his daughter was born. I was there when his son was born. Like, I know how he treats things because so we all kind of know how you do anything is how you do everything. Like, we all, even, like, even if you've never said that phrase, subconsciously, if you've got a buddy who's always late to everything, always mismanages his money, always broke, always struggling, you assume he's probably going to be like that if you were to give him 50 bucks to, you know, whatever. You just... How people do things is how people do things. So social media establishes your reputation over time so that you can uh, cash in on that in the future. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but you can, you can, you can jab, 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 right hook is what Gary Vaynerchuk calls mm-hmm. it. You, you give, 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 give. And then when you need something, you can ask. And uh, it's the most powerful thing in the world. You know who actually nailed this better than anybody else on earth? Josh Dorkin. Founder of Bigger Pockets, right? Because Josh, like for the first like decade, didn't like charge anything for anything on Bigger Pockets. It was all just free, pretty much entirely free. He had a donate button. You guys remember the donate button? 
No, the donate button. That's how Bigger Pockets made money is people donated. Uh, and why did Josh do that? Because he understood that if he can get millions of people to know, like, and trust this brand of Bigger Pockets, he can do whatever he wanted later. He can start a publishing company. He could launch, you know, whatever. It's, yeah, he just knew that. So, yeah, brand is is huge. I think that a lot of people also, they over, uh, they over, like, okay, what am I trying to say here? They kind of overthink what social media has to be because they see people like us, right? Influencers out there making content. Oh, man. Influencers, another word, David, by the way, that I'm like, that's another one. I'm like, yeah, I hate ever wrong. saying that I'm an influencer, but content creators, I like that more. And they see it and they're like, oh, well, if I can't be that, then it, you know, I'm not going to do it because I, I can't do it that well. But yep. what I try to remind people for myself is that when I got started you know, raising money and partnering with people, I wasn't raw built on YouTube. That did not exist. What I was doing was I was posting photos of my Airbnbs. I was like, you know, putting all my properties up there. I was showing people. I was always talking about it because I was so proud of my successes that I was like, you guys can do this too. And then I would have friends that reach out and they would say, hey, uh, I see that you're really good at this Airbnb thing. Can can we, uh, I don't know, can we partner up? And I'd be like, sure. If you fund it, I'll run it. And so I got a lot of partners this way. And this was far before I had any kind of platform. So for people that are looking to you know, get out there, I, I always tell them, just put yourself out there. Because really just posting about it, you never know who in your life or who in your network or that random person that you went to college with on Facebook might be interested in actually yeah. you know, investing with you. Well, let's take this a little deeper, if if we will. And uh, this is going to be applicable to everybody. It's just uncomfortable. As a real estate agent, I'm often telling the agents that are out there, you need to make videos, you need to post things online. You don't want to be a secret agent in this world. Everyone needs to know this is what you do. And the majority of them will come back and say, I'm not comfortable on camera. And that sounds very humble. Like, you know, I'm just not a person that wants to put myself out there. I'm very private. These are the words they're using. Yeah. Okay. Did you but they're that, really like, passive, passive aggressive, like, like, oh, it's it's good for you, David, to you know put yourself out there. But I just I just don't have that big of an ego. Like, I don't need that I much attention as like, you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't, yeah exactly. Yeah. I don't need that much attention in my life. You know, I mean, some people it's okay if it's for you, but yeah. I'm like, that's how it comes out. Now, you. but what I've learned is that's coming from a very defensive part of us because the reason they're not good on camera, I mean, there's a degree of like you kind of gotta learn how to do it to a degree, but mm -hmm. it's more they are not confident in their skills as a real estate agent. They don't know what's going on in the market. They're not a good communicator. They're, they're, they've maybe sold two houses and they don't even know what forms they're supposed to use, but they don't want their clients to know it. And social media is an amplifier. If you are an attention hungry uh, degenerate, it's going to show up. People are going to be able to tell this is what how you live your life. It's amplified for everybody to see every single pictures of your butt. If you're somebody who genuinely likes teaching or helping, it's going to show up. It amplifies what's already there. So when someone's not confident in what they're doing, it's very clear when they make a video. They can't hide it anymore, right? Like I would say email is the opposite of an amplifier. It's like a diminisher. Like you can pretend to be a, a keyboard warrior when you're just typing a comment on YouTube or you're in an email. Video and social media makes that harder. So what I've recognized is if you make yourself go out there and do what we're talking about here, the holes in your game, the flaws in your approach get exposed, your lack of confidence, your lack of knowledge, whatever the problem is, you can't hide it anymore. And that's what everyone's actually trying to avoid addressing when they're saying, I don't like to post. And it's just an uncomfortable thing. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance associated with, like, yeah, that's why I don't want to make videos. So I'm going to throw it to you two. Did you have those emotions and what did you do to get over those when you both started making a lot of content? 
uh, Rob, Rob, would you like to go next? I'll allow it. Yes, I would. I would like to go. Like it, to go. it always um, reminds me of that scene in The Office where Michael says, "I'll allow it." When he's being like at a disposition where he has to answer questions, and they're like, "Mr. Scott, can we ask you something?" And he says, "I'll allow it," as if he's in like control. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, funny story. Um, actually, I might have oversold that. It's just a story. When I first started, the, <laughs> when I started, when I started the Raw Built channel. I didn't tell anybody. I was scared. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm stupid. I'm gonna look stupid. I, this be- first video is really bad, and I'm not gonna tell anybody. And so I posted my first two videos because they were bad. You know, they they were bad. I knew that. I was very self aware of it, but I was still proud that I put myself out there. And then on my third video, I went to the Reddit DIY, you know, subreddit, and I posted it and I said, Hey, you know, I started this channel. Uh, it's about DIY. Here you go. I hope you guys like it. And it got voted to the front page. It got like 3000, uh, upvotes. And I was like, and then my first video, like it got like 15,000 views in a day. And I was like, Oh my gosh. I was like, maybe, maybe I'm onto something. And I was like, you know what? I am going to tell the world. I don't care what the consequences are. I don't care if people laugh at me. And I posted it and I, I made a big long post to change my Instagram handle from Robba Solo to Rob built. And this was a big deal because Robba Solo was my handle for like 10 years. And I said, hey, guys, as of today, I started a YouTube channel. It's called Rob Built. I'm going to teach you how to do DIY in weird, quirky ways, and I hope you follow me. And I was like, oh. And it turns out that everyone was incredibly supportive. Like, everybody they sent me text. They commented. And that was, to me, was like the, the big game-changing day of my life was like I put myself out there, and so many people accepted it. And it's like we are our worst critic, you know? I was in my head about it, but I'm so glad I did, you know? Well, me on the other hand, my first stuff was just flawless. I mean, it was it was pretty much perfect. If you go back, <laughs> right, you actually right. look at my very first videos. If you go back to yeah, go to Bigger Pockets' YouTube channel and then go in like reverse order chronological, you get through a bunch of like really funny old Josh ones, which are like him talking to animals and stuff. It's great. And then you'll get to like my early videos, and they're they're I'm not gonna lie, they're amazing. Uh, you'll you'll love them. And uh, well, I have my cat. Are. Of course, I I think I talk like this. I'm like hi, I'm. I'm Brandon, and this is how you do a HELOC. And I had a cat on my lap. I was like stroking this cat, and it was—it's beautiful thing. You guys will love it. Check it out. Those and, videos, uh, I would like—I always thought when I see those, they look like a stock image of a Pacific Northwest youth pastor. That you, like you <laughs> I were love the Pacific Northwest. This I know, man, oddly and, specific. That's yeah, and you can tell from looking at it. That's exactly yeah. what you're getting. Like you had those glasses. Your beard was a lot shorter. Yep. Your hair was a lot. I had taller. a flannel shirt on. That's all I wore with yes. flannel then. Super flannel. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you, here's you the thing: you become like the area you live. You guys notice that, right? Like, like you just become like the people in the area you live. Ben Hardy wrote a book on that. What was the book he wrote about your environment having a much bigger impact on you? Yeah. Than- uh, personality isn't permanent. Is that one. It could, I'll look Maybe. it up and see. It's, it was a very good book where he's basically, we give ourselves way more credit for how we turned out than really it's mm-hmm. the environment that you get put in. And I'm yeah. a huge, huge proponent for that. Like you guys became very good content creators because you were making content all the time and you go look at your video and you cringe and you go, oh, what was mm-hmm. that? And I don't do that anymore. Or, ooh, that part looked good. And as being in that space over and over that you've sort of have developed into now, Brandon, you're, you're like a, a much more handsome, you're very good with the video <laughs> quality that you're, putting out like tell me uh, honestly when you're if you start catching yourself getting out of shape when you're on video more often do you is that an inherent like ooh, i don't like how that looks i want to do something about it well i try to keep my shirt on for most of my online videos but yes it is it is a thing when i do take my shirt off on videos especially i'm like wow yeah (laughs) yeah so it's looking at my videos yeah inspired i literally did a podcast (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I, I did a podcast. Yeah, thanks. I did a podcast a few months ago, and I don't remember how it came up, but somehow the idea of taking off my shirt came up, and so I took off my shirt in the middle of a podcast. That was—I don't remember whose podcast that was, but that was do uh, it. That was the first. Yeah, no, I'm not doing it today. No, I just got off a three-month long. I was on the road for 92 days on a road trip. Uh, in which case I did not work out one time in 92 days and I ate like crap for 92 days. So I'm not going to be taking my shirt off right now. Uh, okay, but I, here's uh, what I would say, Brandon. It probably the yeah, fact please. that you're not making content like you used to might have played a role in why you know you what? Let that happened. You're probably right. Right. And so that's what I mean by the environment does have a big influence on how we turn out. And if you put yourself in this environment of I'm telling people I want to buy real estate or I want to raise money, so I'm going to talk about it. They're going to ask you questions that you're not going to answer. And it's going to create a hunger in you where you're then going to say, all right, I need to go get these answers. It's going to help you by putting yourself out there. That's really the part I wanted to highlight is you can't wait to get ready. And when you think you're polished, be like, all right, I'm going to go make videos on social media. You got to start talking about it and letting that. That leads you down the road. Well, and, and could I emphasize also, like there are numerous ways in which a person could uh, build a an online brand, like video and TikTok and Instagram, like video. That's that's one of the most powerful ways, and that's very common today. But it's not the only way. I mean, there are people out there who just are not going to ever be good on camera. I mean, maybe it's a limiting belief, but like if your thing, if you're an amazing writer, you just like love writing, and. Okay, so find a way to make it writing that that's your thing or or, you know, some people are amazing at LinkedIn. There's a really good at LinkedIn. I'm terrible at LinkedIn. I, I don't understand it. But like Brian Murray has like, I don't know, 40. He's like my partner at Open Door Capital. And he wrote the multifamily millionaire with me. And like he's got like 40 or 50,000 followers on LinkedIn. I don't even know you can follow people on LinkedIn. I didn't even know that was a thing. But Brian's really good at that. And he, he never does a video. You'll never see a video with Brian ever. Right. But he's He's got a ton of followers and he raises a lot of money for open door capital via LinkedIn. Um, I happen to like YouTube, right? Some people like TikTok. You could do TikTok without your face. You could just do text on the screen that like the little lady on TikTok reads, right? Like there's a, there's so many, you could start a blog, you could do a forum. You could just be involved on in the bigger pockets forums. We haven't touched on that yet, but that's probably one of the most important things you can do, especially as a new investor. A lot of you are listening that are new or thinking, well, how does this apply to me? I'm not going to go create content. I don't even know what I'm talking about. So that's when you just get involved asking questions on the Facebook group or the forums and you just start that magic networking thing, which is really just making friends with people. We had that guy on recently, the uh, Jonathan Green, he's yeah. like a big like uh, contributor to Forum the guy. Bigger Pockets forums, and he's like a legend in there because he's in there every day answering mm-hmm. questions, and he sets aside time every single week to Zoom with people and just help help people. And I'm like, that's a very cool, creative way yeah. to network with people that you know you otherwise wouldn't have met. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9 to 5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Are you about to sell a property? Wait like 60 seconds because this could save you thousands. Our friends at 1031 Pros have saved their clients more than half a billion dollars with a B in taxes with 1031 tax deferred exchanges. With the 1031 exchange, you can say goodbye to the huge capital gains taxes when selling and roll your property's profit into another investment that could make you even more. Whether you're an individual investor, part of a larger group, or a title or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help. Trust me, I've done 1031 exchanges on multiple properties before, and it has saved me tens of thousands in taxes, if not more. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and they specialize in all types of exchanges, delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states. And right now, Bigger Pockets listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash BP. That's my1031pros.com slash BP to get $250 off today. Oh, and make sure to mention Bigger Pockets when you call. They take care of our people over there. Take a second and imagine this. Immediate cash flow, above average rent, built-in equity, and a foolproof exit plan. No, it's not 2012 again. This is just what it's like to invest with Integra Development Group. They've simplified the real estate investing process so everyone can invest. With their new construction single-family rent-to-own homes, you'll get aggressively priced brand new properties that have tenants in place now in one of the fastest-growing states in America, Florida. Here's how IDG's rent-to-own strategy works. You get exclusive access to inventory with aggressive pricing thanks to IDG's builder-partner relationships. Then, invest and collect immediate cash flow with tenants already in place at or very close to closing. With the demand for new builds, your tenants pay above market rent, so you rake in more cash flow. And you'll get built-in equity and appreciation with an already agreed-to purchase price at year three, helping the tenants become homeowners while you build wealth. That's investing simplified. So secure your next investment property today with Integra Development Group at IntegraDG.com. That's IntegraDG.com to start investing today. Every lender loves to talk about how easy it is to get a mortgage. Then when it's time to fund your next deal, they ask for your full financials, your blood type, your mother's famous spaghetti recipe, and a map to the fountain of youth. Sound familiar? You got all that handy, right? Why not switch to a lender who actually makes qualifying for a loan easy? A lender like Host Financial. Host Financial takes the tedious tax returns, endless W-2s, and time-consuming financial requests out of the picture. Their light dock and common sense underwriting guidelines mean frictionless transactions every time. You'll even be able to use the actual or projected income of the short-term or long-term rental you're looking to purchase or pull equity out of. That's what lending built for investors looks like. So take the next step and grow your portfolio faster. Visit hostfinancial.com to request a quote in as fast as 60 seconds, which is faster than this ad. If not, it's pretty close. That's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. Again, that's host, H-O-S-T, financial.com. So we've got, I want to get into the different ways that you make content on different platforms, but I'm sure regardless of what platform you're operating in, there are certain key components to the message that you're really trying to, to nail down. Can you share with us, Brandon, what are some things that every content creator needs to make sure that they're including in the message and how they can go about doing that? So someone has kind of a bit of a blueprint if they want to start making online content. Sure, man. Yeah. So the first thing I'll say, I actually have a kind of a, like a framework for this. I'll tell you in just a second. But first, I'll say this is one of the mistakes people make when they're creating content in our space, like in a real estate or a business setting is 
they forget that this is not like Kylie Jenner showing off her makeup. Like this is not about us. Like in the fashion world, you can just post picture yourself smiling and people like that. What, what we have to think in the business world uh, is how does this help the person who's watching this? Like every post should be considered. Like, how does this help the person watching this? Whether or not it's uh, you write a blog, I mean a post on Facebook or you did a video or whatever. How does this help that person uh, who's watching this and help a lot of people watching this? And so starting with that, I think is key. And then let me like lay out this little framework here. Um, all right. I want to make sure I got it right. So I wrote it in here somewhere. All right. There it is. I call it like, I'm calling it today the viral formula, even though it's probably a terribly generic name, but it's the idea of like, if I, I watch a, oh, yeah, the VF. The, okay. The, yeah. The VF, the, the viral formula, the trademark that right now. Yeah. We uh, yeah. And, and actually Rob, so you're, I would, I would say Rob's got even more experience, especially on the YouTube front than I do on this. I'm much more of an Instagram guy. Uh, not that you're not both on Instagram as well, but like, I see this, especially in YouTube videos that do really well. And I see this on TikTok and reels and Instagram videos that do well. I see it on blog posts that do well. And here's, here's what I wrote down. So if you're listening to this, take some notes real quick. This is number one. First thing your, your content piece should have is what's called the hook. Because if you, our our minds go so quick, we scroll so fast. You do it too on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Everything's so fast. You have to grab a way to hook them real quick and pull them in. So the hook could be something, whether it's a, a physical thing, like the camera does some kind of movement, or it could be you're doing some kind of thing, like you're putting your hands in the air, or you're pointing at the camera, or you're doing something funny, or maybe it's a clip from later in the video, if it's a video, where it, like, it pulls like a funny like outtake from later on. Just something that in like three seconds or less, hooks them. Uh, or on like TikTok, for example, it might just be a message. Like it might be like, like in this video, I'm going to say three things that are going to make you a multi-millionaire guaranteed. All right. I just said that in what? Less than three, four, five seconds. seconds. Well now, yeah, right now I might've hooked somebody in just enough to watch the rest of the video. So as stupid as it is, we have to do it. The only videos that you're seeing typically have some kind of hook. I was arguing a blog post. It typically only blog posts get seen. If you're not interested in the first sentence, like you're not going to read on. In fact, I heard a famous author. I can't remember if it was Stephen Pressfield or Stephen King or somebody once said the purpose of the first line of your book is to get somebody to read the second line. And the purpose of the second line is to get them to read the third line and so on and so forth. So you've got to hook them in. All right. So number one is the hook. Uh, number two is the, what I call the tease. And now this might be connected to the hook. It might not be. So the tease is basically, this is what I promise you're going to get in this video. So you know, so if you had a hook that's a little different, maybe your hook is like, like, how would you like to be a multimillionaire in 30 days or less? Right. That might be a hook. Then the tease would be like in this video or in this blog post or in this whatever, I'm going to share this with you. And that's just one example, right? There's a million ways to do the tease, but you want to let people know what they're going to get uh, when the video is over. Again, that's really, really quick. Uh, the third thing I always add in there is some kind of credibility. Now, if this is on a platform like Facebook where everyone's following you on Facebook anyway, they already know who you are, uh, your followers. It's not as big of a deal. If you're trying to reach people on like Instagram Reels, which is brand new cold traffic, you don't know who they are, or TikTok or YouTube, you got to establish some piece of credibility so they know that you're legit. So something along the lines of like, you know, I'm Brandon with Open Door Capital. We've raised $100 million in the past three years uh, to buy real estate. This is why I'm qualified to speak on this topic. Like, that's what you're saying is this is why I'm qualified to speak on this topic. Like, hey, I'm a CPA that works for investors. Hey, you know, whatever. So we got hook, you got tease, you got cred. And then the fourth thing is gold. Like, you've got to give them something that they can take away from that piece of content. Uh, the biggest mistake I see people making in the content space is they give way too much gold. Uh, or what they think is gold, they just go on and on and on and on. In reality, 
Is it simple? Is it easy to grasp? Easy to remember? Is it unique? Is it actionable? Uh, and so you got the hook, tease, cred, gold, and then finally a call to action of some sort. If you're trying to build up your following, hey, don't forget to like and uh, like and subscribe. If you're trying to, uh, you know, whatever, trying to get people on your email list, hey, join my email list by going to this URL. Go to beardybranding.com and get on my text letter, right? Those kind of things, quick call to action. Otherwise, people just won't, like, it's not like they don't like you. It just never occurs to them, oh, I should follow that person or oh, I should subscribe to their list. So tell them what you want them to do real quickly. Uh, and one little trick is sometimes I will put the call to action earlier in the piece of content and by just saying something like, and hey, as I go through these five points, if you like this, just hit that heart button real quick. It just helps me out. Thanks, number one. And that way, if they don't watch the whole video, they might just hit the heart button right there. They didn't even watch it, but they'll still click the like or the heart. All right, so I wanna know first, Based on that, I'm going to review it one time, and then I want to know, Rob, your thoughts on this, because you're the genius on this. So I came up with hook, tease, cred, gold, and a call to action. I don't have a good, uh, what's the word? Like I don't have like a, acronym? an acronym for that. Yeah. yeah, we need an acronym, so I need a thesaurus. This is the homework for everybody listening right now, by the way. Hook, tease, cred, gold, and call to action. Somebody put that into an acronym somehow, like use a thesaurus, and <laughs> we're going to have a word for that, and then that's going to be trademarked for bigger pockets. All right, Rob. So I want to give you the, (laughs) well, first of all, let me give you the, uh, the advertising kind of corporate version of this, but what we used, we used a, an acronym called Chubbs (laughs) and it was uh, an acronym. Oh, look at the acronym over there. Yours is way, yours is way cooler because ours (laughs) meant crop. So if we were making a commercial, okay. So basically (laughs) if we were making a commercial for, let's say Hyundai, we'd want to make sure that it could actually crop to be square and fit the format of your phone. Then it was hook, which is exactly what you're talking about. Like, what, how can we edit the front end of a commercial to get straight into it? And then usage, which is like, how much of that commercial do we actually need to communicate to people on social in 15 seconds or less? Branding at the end, meaning we'd want to get the logo out there to make sure that you know people knew who this commercial was about. And then sound off, meaning people who have their phone, their volume off, which is like 90% of people. How can we make this work for people? Meaning that's putting the subtitles on there. So that is a way less cool. It's a cool uh, a name. It's Chubbs. a cool acronym. Chubbs, yeah, but. but way less cool than the actual bullet points that you put <laughs> up there. And I think, I think you kind of nailed it, man. I mean, it, it depends on the actual uh, platform that you're going for. But if we're talking TikTok, yeah. I did a lot of TikToks yeah. and I failed. And then one guy reached out to me and was like, "Man, we got to blow you up." And he had three hundred thousand followers. And I was like, "All right, teach me, master." And so he was basically like gave me like a quick one hour consultation and literally like the next video went viral. And the biggest piece of advice he gave me was like, you got three seconds. Stop saying like, Hey guys, it's Rob. Don't forget to follow. But, and it's like, say, Hey, here's why you're going to fail at starting an Airbnb. Boom. Hooked them. And then that's all my format now. Whereas on YouTube, yeah, you know what? I could probably grow faster on YouTube if I followed exactly what you're talking about, but I tend to do kind of like funnier intros that kind of hook people in that way but you know i'm an i'm an acquired taste admittedly so it doesn't always YouTube's work a little bit longer form right so it youtube is. you're yeah. allowed to it's it, this is one of those i think of know the rules then break the rules kind of thing like once you understand the logic like the the psychology behind what makes things popular and and go viral then you can start playing with it and trying different things and get quirky and get your own like take on it uh so yeah i love your videos in fact like it's one of the videos i looked at when i was kind of come up with this formula is like what does rob do because oh, like thanks. this is like what makes it successful and yeah uh, i think you you do this masterfully david you do too i'm in fact david's like skill on social media has gone through the roof in the past few months i don't know what oh, you've yeah, been doing or who it hired, but 
He is stepping it up. So if you guys are not following David Green. I hired a company to make my content for me. (laughs) (laughs) Because you, sir, are an architect mentality. You're (laughs) at level four, man. Uh, Yeah, that's the hard part. What would Elon Musk do? There you go. I mean, it's really hard because I am such a, because of the, I don't know, it's hard for me to turn it over to like a different, like I have one editor and him and I are just going back and forth all day. And we are to the point where I need probably three or four if I really want to go Brandon style with like Instagram reels and TikToks and everything. But it's hard because I just know that I can't manage the creative the same way that I can with like one video a week on YouTube. But yeah, it's kind of the the struggle with like, do I want to just slowly grow or do I want to like you know, try to amp it up a little bit. And I think, you know, well, slow, slow and steady for me has been the, the game. Well, let me throw, I throw out another thing. This, I, I did not invent this thing. Gary Vaynerchuk's the thing, the guy who really blew this concept up. Uh, I don't, there's probably a name for it. I don't have a name for it, but I'll explain the strategy. Uh, and, and again, Gary was on our podcast back. I don't remember what episode a few, few years ago, but uh, the idea is this, you do one, and this is like, this is literally what I do. I spend maybe an hour a week total on all content creation. I do one long form piece of content. Usually it's a podcast, whether I'm on somebody else's show or when I was doing bigger pockets, one piece of content. I always record my video separately just so I have one. If you don't have a fancy camera, that's okay. Phone actually probably does just as well, if not better on most platforms. So record yourself doing something like an interview. Uh, for an hour. And then I just hand it over to my virtual assistant who is awesome. He's over in the Philippines and he's uh, just takes it and dices it up into a bunch of different content. He makes YouTube videos. He makes Instagram. He makes TikTok. He makes reels. He makes everything even like pulls out like, like paragraphs that I said in that like content and makes like a, a, a physical post, like a, like a text post, like all that from one hour. And then like every day I just have like three pieces of content coming out and I don't do any of it. I just got that straight from Gary Vaynerchuk. It's one long porn content can be put into about 30 different pieces of content. So anyway, just throwing out there for anybody who's like, I don't have time to make all this content. Just see if you can't get booked on a podcast once a week or once every once, even once a month, you don't need to put out as much content. As I put out yeah, when, I'm, I mean, just the act operation. of being on a podcast itself, here's something a lot of people don't realize. I'm going to let the mm-hmm. cat out of the bag in our world. Saying you have a podcast is a lot like saying I wrote a book. It's not hard anymore to write a book. You can self-publish yeah. a book insanely easy, mm-hmm. sell three copies, and it will be a bestseller in that category. Brandon, I know you have some really funny stories about how easy it is to make it look like on Amazon <laughs> that you're a bestseller. Yeah, the foot thing. Podcasts yeah. work the same way. It's not nearly as difficult to get one on. It's very difficult to make one good. So first off, a lot of the podcasts you're listening to, don't assume that the person that you're hearing from has a lot of credibility. They might have 12 listeners and half of it is their, their family, but no one knows that. So getting on someone else's podcast and then putting that on your Facebook or on your Instagram and sharing with the world, I was interviewed to tell how I do this thing really well, will give your brand, for lack of a better word, some credibility, right? And it also invites people to get to know you. They get to hear your story. They get to hear you talk. They get to see kind of what makes you tick, which creates that connection that you're describing. So I think going on other people's podcasts, even though you're not gonna maybe get heard by a ton of people because most podcasts don't have a ton of listeners, it's something that you do for your own circle to get a, an opportunity to hear you speaking. And then, like you said, you can take clips out of that and you can run with that for months. You just take clips of some of the best stuff you said and you create reels and you put those out there. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, that's exactly it. I think that's exactly what you should be doing. Uh, it, it's just so it's easy to be interviewed. I mean, it's easier to be interviewed than it is, I think, to like try to just like come produce up with a it. script and write a write produce yeah. a ten minute video. It's like you sit on Zoom and you record a video. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it, and most people are pretty good at answering questions like about themselves and about their own life, right? So it's, like this is super easy for. This is easier for me to be a guest on the show than it was when I was a host, right? Way easier. Mm-hmm. I just sit here and answer your guys' questions and then take over the show and allow David to talk once in a while. What's that? Let me talk once in a while. You said, <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I think simply Googling real estate podcast, you'll get a huge list or search on iTunes for those and just start emailing the people that have them and saying, Hey, I own three duplexes in this area. Can I come be a guest on your show? It doesn't have to be huge. And yeah. the majority of them will be like, absolutely. I'd love to have you on. I have been having trouble <laughs> yeah. making shows because I, nobody knows who I am and wants to do my show and bam, like you've got some, and you're also getting some experience speaking and articulating yourself and communicating and it puts you in the environment that we've been describing about that's such a good point i'll let the, another cat out of the bag here is that energy on a podcast matters almost as much if not more than your what the what you say content. what i mean by that is like yeah than the actual quality of your content and i'm not saying we on the bigger pockets podcast we want people who don't have good content we do but you you can't have good content without good energy we will can your we've canned shows before because people have not had a good enough energy, uh, and so by going on smaller shows, you develop the skill set needed to get on the bigger shows where you can bring the energy. Like I don't naturally talk like this in real life. When David and I are having a conversation, like if we were to record ourselves just talking without any cameras, we'd be like this, be like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's okay. Like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go to the gym later. You wanna go later? Okay. Like that's like like that's what we talk like normal people. But you develop the skill of like this. I'm talking. My hands are moving. I'm like excited. And so you gain that skill by going on smaller podcasts. Now, let me throw the question to you guys. What about those people listening right now who have no deals? They've not done any real estate. What are they going to go on? A po- they can't go on a podcast. So what do those people do? Any suggestions for them, Rob? Mm, that's a that's a hard one. Uh, I guess. <laughs> that's why I gave it to you. I didn't want you <laughs> yeah, to I was going to say. I mean, I think I would rather. Oh, man. I guess I would rather put them more in the content creation and like like mm-hmm. learn what it takes to get your first deal and document that journey and create content around, hey, I'm looking to get my first 10 steps. Uh, or Sorry, I'm looking to get my first property. You know, Here are the first 10 steps that I'm going to take to do that because you can actually document a journey. Whereas on a podcast, typically you're speaking retroactively about experiences that, that might have happened. But the thing is, as David mentioned, I mean, there's a million podcasts out there. So it's not like you have to get into a podcast right here, like right now. I think you can wait for that, right? What I think, but what yep. you can do that's actionable is use your your phone to just make content. And, you know, a lot of people get really caught up on photo quality and they're like, Rob, your videos are so crisp and this. I'm like, dude, my first viral video was shot on an iPhone. And, you know, my, my editor always says that his teacher used to tell him that the best camera on the market is the one that you have in your yeah. pocket. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I think, you know, and for me, just to be straight up, like on TikTok, my really terrible quality selfie videos on my iPhone perform significantly better than anything that's super crispy. And that's why I actually don't do a lot of TikTok. Like I have a huge following on there, but I post, you know, a TikTok like once a month because it takes me two hours to record and edit it. But, you know, that's all part of the process. So I think if you're getting into real estate, you know, document your journey and try to like create a business plan for where you want to go and just make that into snackable content for people to watch. I really think it's, it's that easy. Yeah. I love that answer. And I think like what my thought went to is like, not every piece of, 
Not every platform is ideal for every person. If you're brand new, yeah, you shouldn't be interviewed on podcasts about your journey. Uh, you should probably be doing something else. Like you just said, maybe on TikTok, you make a, like, I'm about to buy my very first duplex. Follow along, you know, like, you know, follow my, my process. Today, I'm going to do this, right? People would eat that up. They would love that. Uh, or they might not, and you at least gain some experience in doing it. That's cool too. I, dude, that's what I did on YouTube. I mean, I really wasn't like, I, I was at the very beginning of my real estate journey. I wasn't an expert. I was very green. And literally my content was like, hey guys, I just built this. Here's what happened. Here's what went wrong. I'm going to do it again. Watch my journey. And my whole, like, if you just watch my YouTube channel over the last two years, it's really just a progression of how I've leveled up little by little by little. And if you just look at my video of today versus like two years ago, it's, it's a whole different person, but it's not because, I mean, it's just because I've just been doing it, you know, and documenting it. That's all it really is. Well, let me throw one more strategy at people who are maybe brand new and they're like, well, I can't create content. I'm brand new. I don't want to do TikTok. right? Here's a very simple strategy. Go to a, like, go find 15, 20, 25, 30, 50, 100 people in the real estate investing industry, like like the three of us, right? Follow us on Insta, on Instagram or whatever platform you like the best. Go unfollow everybody else that you that you follow unless like it's like your mom or something, right? So like you should like Russell Brunson, who's a the CEO of a big marketing company, he says like you should be a creator of content, not a consumer of content. Uh, if like I'm not telling you to go sit on TikTok and swipe, that's you should not be doing that. You should be going out and buying real estate deals. However, if you're going to go on TikTok to swipe, or if you're going to go on Instagram to swipe, or you're going to go read a bunch of blogs, they should be on people that you want to get to know better and you want to build a relationship with because they're going to be a big part of your life in the future. So here's what you do: you go find those 10, 50, 100 people. You follow all of them and turn on post notifications so that you get a text, like not a text, but you get like a pop-up on your phone. Hey, Brandon just posted. Hey, David just posted. Now, why is that important? Because you go and leave a comment right away and not just like a, hey, good job or a thumbs up or an emoji, but you leave a thoughtful comment about that, whatever they said. Now, there's a few people who do this to me. I know they've read the same books I have because they do this to me. Uh, and every single time I post anything on my Instagram, I get these really like paragraph long comments that are really helpful for people. And guess what? Other people see them commenting and go and follow them. And so they're building this big platform by just doing that to other people. And they're just providing value in the comments section. And funny, actually one of the couples that, that do that all the time, they're on the cover of the BP, you know, bigger pockets wealth magazine. So it clearly works for them, right? Like they built a whole brand around it, uh, around just commenting on other people's stuff. So that's something that if you're brand new, anybody can do that right now. Just go follow, turn on notifications and just comment right away with a really thoughtful comment. And you will start gaining people that are following you just because of the help that you're providing there. You know, Brandon, what are your thoughts on the idea that we tend to see the end result of a ton of work when someone else posts on social media? So it's, it, I'm noticing there's this trend of realtors that are saying, uh, just help my clients buy this house or investors just picked up this duplex. It's a lot of hard work, but I got it. They're, they're showing you the closing, but you're not seeing mm -hmm. the 17 properties they analyzed and didn't get or the offers that were written or like the process to get to that point. And I think it creates the impression that you're just wandering through life in the real estate investing world. You step on something, it turns into a duplex. You're like, oh, there, I got a house. And people are waiting for their yeah. moment when it's going to hit them versus being intentional about putting these stages because that's not shown on social media nearly as much. Like you don't see the process behind it. So I know you're a person that likes to focus on build a machine, don't chase an event. 
right? Like, yeah, yeah. The same with like maybe a workout picture. You see the end result when somebody's been training for this, you know, uh, competition. Like, like Tony Robinson, he he posted some pictures at the event, but he didn't post himself at the gym working out every day. What advice can you give for the reality of what it takes to be successful here, being different than what you're seeing on social media? Yeah, yeah, really good, good stuff. Yeah, what you said there is like. Like build a machine, not an event, right? In other words, what I mean by that is so many people, this is how they think of, I mean, this could be buying a real estate deal, right? Like the event is I'm going to go buy a real estate deal or I'm going to go and I'm going to go drive for dollars today. Let's go there. I'm going to go drive. I'm going to get my car. I'm going to drive around for the next two hours. I'm going to write down every single property that looks vacant and I'm going to write down their address. I'm going to come home and I'm going to look up who owns the property. I'm going to send them a letter. And by the time, you know, five o'clock hits tonight, I'm going to have at least 20 letters out in the mail. That's great, right? That's a great strategy for getting a deal. I almost guarantee you none of those 20 people are going to call you. And so what you're going to do is you're going to be like, well, I did it. It didn't work. I mean, you're going to give up. The, the truth is, if you want something to work, like don't do the event. Don't do the one day, one day I went out and drive for dollars or one day I made a, a video on YouTube. Ask yourself, how do I do this every single solitary day or three times a week? How do I build this into a repeatable machine that over the next six months, 12 months is going to produce the result because it'd be ridiculous statistically not to produce the result. So an example would be, I'm going to do a drive for dollars every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from three to five. I'm going to hire a VA who's going to take all that and they're going to send the letters for me that, that I generate. So all I have to do is get in my car and drive, or I'm going to hire a high school kid to drive you know, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, they're going to upload it to this site. The VA is going to take it from there. They're going to send the letters out. And from there it goes to the people. And now all I have to do is answer my phone. You can go even bigger than that. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm going to hire a call service. Like one of my buddies runs a, I think it's called like call magic leads. Like they, they like do like the outbound calls. So they find the phone number, then they call, uh, they call all the, uh, the sellers or the homeowners and they ask them if they want to sell their property. And so now only the really important leads are coming to you. But then you go and build a machine that hires a, a, a salesperson for your team that answers those phone calls. Do you notice how like at every level you can build a machine bigger and bigger and getting you out of the work? But now if you had somebody driving for dollars three times a week, you had somebody sending all those people letters, you had somebody answering the phone that was good at sales and talking to people and trying to convince them to sell the house. If you did that for the next 12 months straight and never missed a week, are you going to land a deal? Is there any chance you wouldn't land a deal? No, but that's not what people do. People want the event. People want to do it one time and they give up. So what I, I'm saying is focus on the machine. Don't focus on the event because the machine is what gets you the success. Like that, the reason we were able to buy, and I think we're at like $400 million almost in real estate in the past three years with Open Door Capital. The only reason we've been able to do that is because we just built a machine and we make like 75 offers a quarter on mass, massive deals. We have a machine around that. We have a machine around investor relations, growing our email list. We have a machine around all of that stuff and it just gets done. Uh, and if you're anything like me, like you're not good at getting things done sometimes. Like I'm terrible at getting things done. So I just hire other people to run the machine for me and then it actually gets done. So that's a much longer conversation, but there you go. There's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying. And I'm trying to think of the best way to address this without giving the wrong impression. I hope it's an analogy. I'm sure one of them will be, yep, first one <laughs> just popped in my head right now as you said it. Yes. Uh, in this world of education, 
we have to give people value that they could not, we can't just say go out and do something, even though that's the best advice to give anybody. Just go start doing it. You will find your way. But they're not listening to us to be told, just go do it. They want something they wouldn't have known from an experienced person. So what we end up doing is kind of saying, here's the end result and here's the steps you're gonna take and, and walk you back to where you are. So you have some idea of a path. That's what people are looking for. The problem with that approach is it's, your brain doesn't work well when you're trying to learn things you haven't done yet. Like we could say, hey, here's what you're gonna do when you get to this step. It just doesn't sink in, right? It's And I notice here's the analogy that this will come up with something like jujitsu. I will wanna sit there and talk to a person who's a higher belt and say, what do you do when this happens? Or how would you get out of that, okay? And like it, I'm, it's re- I'm receiving it when I'm in a certain state of mind. But then when I get out there on the mat, I don't remember anything that was said. It actually isn't practical information when I'm in the middle of rolling. The way I learn is actually the opposite. I get out there and roll. A thing happens that I can't fix, and I'm hungry for the information. I come back and say, how, how do you get out of this thing? And then they tell me, and I'm like, boom, like I got it. I will never forget that. I don't want to experience that feeling again. Now I've learned. And that's what I'm trying to highlight is this is why we say you have to get out there and you have to take action because your brain remembers the lessons and they become a part of you when there was some form of pain that was associated with getting out there and doing it, not just sitting here and hearing the story sort of laid out for you of perfectly how this should work. Like you, you said something, if you did this for a year, could you possibly fail? No, you would have to get a property. Like one of the things I've noticed is if <laughs> someone's like, well, I'm not sure, should you do this bench press or this style? Should you do that one or or this? What? No, just if you work out as hard as you can every single time you go to the gym and you have decent form, is it possible to not get stronger? <laughs> yeah, it's you like, guaranteed. It's impossible. That's it. If you just go to the gym and you say, hey, I've got some basic exercises, I'm going to do as hard as I can for as long as I can, and then I'm done, you have to get stronger. Go ahead. This is where that, this is where that phrase comes in that I, I say all the time now. It's like, success should never be a surprise. In fact, my best performing Instagram post of all time was me just talking about this. Success should never be a surprise. Nobody ever wakes up and they're like, whoa, mm. Where'd I get this six pack from? Like what, where'd this come from? Like nobody wakes up and goes, whoa, I'm a millionaire. Crazy. I had no idea. Like success is just the natural result of the process in which you do. And yeah, once in a while people win the lottery, but they end up losing it because they don't have the right process. So like success is not a surprise to anybody who's successful. It's, it's in fact, it's surprising when you don't get it. Like if you, if you had somebody driving for dollars three times a week, mailing all those things, had a sales guy answering the phone, meeting with people and you didn't land a deal after a year. I would be surprised. I'd be like, wow, something went wrong in that mm-hmm. system. Obviously the machine just was broken, but like, I'm surprised because I feel like it should have worked. <laughs> right. uh, and I would say usually the reason those machines don't work is because you invented the machine yourself. You didn't learn from somebody else. I mean, we're, we're lucky right now. Like we're in an industry that millions and millions of people do and share freely what they're doing and have done so for hundreds of years. Like we're in like the easiest industry in the world to learn how to do stuff. Uh, and then we're in the greatest market we've ever seen for that. We are in like the, the YouTube and the blogs and the content for like the courses that are out there, the mentor, like everything is just there. Like you have no excuse. And so if you're like, well, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. That's a, that's a problem. Well, that's the, that's the value of a machine though. If you, if you work at the, the thing, it's going to happen. Like I love what you said. It's impossible to not happen if you're, 
if you're taking these steps. And so I love that advice is like what the people that are good at something do is they, they focus on the machine, not the end result. They don't, yeah. they don't wait for just the property. You, you want a real example of this actually? So by the way, so I can teach this stuff and I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but like I screw up this stuff all the time. Like I, I'll focus on the event and not on the, on the process. I'll give you a real example. I'm driving with my wife and my kids on our road trip. We just did three months around the country and uh, we're on the road and I'm talking to my wife about how we just landed this massive apartment complex deal in Texas. It's like, we're going to have to raise like more money than we've ever raised before. It's like, I don't know, 50 or $60 million I got to raise. And I'm like, I'm like, shoot, Heather, I don't know. Like, I don't like, I don't have a big enough email list to be able to raise that much money that quickly. Like, that's just so much to raise. And I was like, so I guess I could like, I could go on a podcast, you know, maybe talk about it. And she goes, well, that's, what's that going to get you? And I was like, I don't know. And this is what Heather said to me. Like she didn't talk to me. She's like, Brandon, it's not about going on a podcast. It's not about making a post. She's like, why don't you go on two podcasts every single week for the next six months straight? Would that get you what you need? And I was like, yes, they probably will. Or at least it'll get me closer, mm. right? It'll get the word out there. Or, or like, and again, like I need to be reminded of that. It's not about the one off. It's not about doing the thing. It's about what machine can I build? So then I call up my assistant, Matt. And I'm like, Matt, I want to go on two podcasts every single week for the next six months. And he's like, okay, I'll, I'll make it happen. And all of a sudden now I'm scheduling all these podcasts scheduled out for the like, and I'm like, getting the word out there. I'm like, this is how it's supposed to work because now I have a machine uh, to be able to raise that money. So that's, uh, that's just one example, but there's so many ways in life that if we just turn things into a system, into a machine, it actually will get done. Yeah. You can also, uh, outside of podcasts, you can also like make appearances on certain YouTube channels and like that kind of stuff too. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I don't know anybody who has a good YouTube channel. That, that's so, true. I, mean, just, I know just, we're always looking, we're always looking. <laughs> Rob, we should do some JV stuff together, man. Yeah, do it, man. Let's I was telling the agents on my yeah. team, they, they had a client that they worked with for over a year, and they finally put him in contract on a $2.5 million property. We were talking about like, well, what was that like? And, and he was describing how it was very difficult at first because the guy was calling every single day to ask a bunch of questions, and he wasn't in a position to buy anything. And I remember the advice I gave them was like, you got to stay in touch with the person, but you can't let them monopolize your entire schedule if they're not ready. In in our world, be ready to sell, and that world, be ready to buy a property. And so they worked it out to where they just consistently stayed in touch over email and text messaging until he got to a point that he was more serious. And I was, I was telling them, every person you work with is eventually going to buy a house once they've been qualified. It's kind of like turning the little thing on the jack-in-the-box. Right? If you turn it long enough, it's going to pop. The key is setting up a system that your arm doesn't get tired before the jack-in-the-box pops. Mm -hmm. Right? It has to be effective turns. You want to be able to use your energy wisely. You saying, I'm going to go on for the next six months, I'm going to do two podcasts. You don't have to pick the perfect podcast at that point. You don't have a lot of stress about like, oh, what if I make a mistake? It's, you got a lot of opportunity over this period of time. You're not going to get discouraged. You're going to keep turning that crank and then eventually it pops. And I, that's what the advice I'd love to people to leave with is when you're making content on social media, you want to raise money to help buy your next deal. You want people to be bring, bringing you leads, whatever it is. The first content you make is going to suck and who cares? Because like, I would love it if people would go back and look at Brandon and Rob's original stuff and be like, oh, Brandon doesn't sound nearly as polished and sure. tanned and handsome as he is now as when he was first recording. I mean, like, you're a bit of a goober. When I, I mean, when I first met you, you weren't even as polished as where you are right now. You come very far. And that that is very encouraging to everybody who's thinking about, ah, but I'm not going to be good at it. Like, you're not good when you first go to the gym. You're not good when you first do anything at all. 
Uh, it's the machine that you build. It's the commitment to the process. It is impossible not to get better if you keep doing it. Can I add two more quick points to this that I think are valuable, especially for uh, newer investors, this first one? So I've been teaching on BiggerPockets webinars now for like seven years in a row, right? And David, you've been teaching a lot. Robert, are you doing webinars yet for BP? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I just did one last week. Okay. All right, good. So so you guys know what I'm talking about. But, and if anybody listening has been on a webinar before, you've probably heard the term LAPS, L-A-P-S. This is some like acronym I, I put on a webinar years and years ago, and I just I beat it like a drum dead horse. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the phrase is there, but I, I, I say it over and over and over and over and over. And every time I get a speech, anytime I talk to new investors, I say it over and over and over. And it's all, it's exactly what we're talking about today. LAP stands for, you've got to get leads coming in your business. You've got to analyze those properties. You've got to pursue them, which means go after them, make an offer. And then once in a while that will result in a success. Now, why do I beat this drum so hard so often? It's because you're, that's the machine. If you want to land real estate deals, in any market, competitive or not, if you get leads coming across your desk, you analyze them and you make offers, you will land success. It's not a surprise. So like, that's why I said earlier, my team makes 75 offers a quarter. That was just a number we were, we, we worked backwards to figure out we get about one in 10 offers accepted. So if we make 75 offers a quarter, we'll get roughly seven to 10 offers a, a quarter accepted on mobile home parks or apartments. And it exactly worked out that way. That's how we've bought in so many properties. So I don't care if you're trying to buy your very first single family house or a duplex or a flip or a wholesale deal or an apartment complex, doesn't matter. The LAPS system works. Everybody uses it, but the people who are the best in this industry, they know the system and they're always working to improve it. And so like, it takes all the mystery around like, how do I find a deal? I can't find a deal. It's just LAP and then you get S. So that is... That's the encouragement I have for you is just for everyone listening is like, take the mystery out of it, build the machine and let the machine work. Now, the this related point I want to make as well is I am like the laziest person. Like I'm really not a, I'm not good at like self-control. I'm lazy and I, I have terrible work ethic. I'll admit all those things. I'm not good. If I say I'm going to go to the gym, David, when's the last time I went to the gym? Like I don't go to the gym unless David shows up in Maui. Yeah. No. Like when's the last time I went to the gym? Like it was with you. Like the <laughs> I have time to pull I to ev- gym, every string I yeah. can to get you in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like I am, I will tell myself I'm going to the gym and then I will not go to the gym because I'll be busy doing something else. I'm, I'm so bad at doing things, even things that I know are vital to my success and existence in life. Like I know I need to work out. I know I need to uh, analyze deals. I know I need to make those phone calls. I know I need to, uh, basically, I know I need to work these systems. I'm so bad at doing it. I recognize that. So I can fight against my, my nature to be lazy or I can hack my nature. And here's what I mean by hacking your, your kind of your nature is I find ways to obligate myself to do those things. Like I have a personal trainer show up in my garage and he shows up. Now, am I going to, am I going to work out if Jerry is down in my garage? Yeah, because he's here in my garage. I don't want to make him waste his time to come all the way out here. So when I'm feeling moments of like inspiration, like, oh yeah, I should work out next week. I'll find a way to obligate myself to do that. And I do it with all sorts of things, or I hire an employee or a team member to do those things. Because as a as an employee, it's really easy to do those things, mundane things, because you're getting paid a job to do it. But as an entrepreneur, I'm really bad at it. So those are the, that's how I, I hack my 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 nature by either hiring someone to do it or making somebody show up that obligates me to do it. So hopefully that helps somebody out there who's in a similar boat, just being lazy like I am. It really helps. Rob, you're pretty lazy. What do you think about that? 
<laughs> yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, it's kind of like it reminds me of the whole like putting your uh, so okay, like putting your phone sort of far away with an alarm so that whenever you know the alarm goes off, you have to get out of bed. You know, it's yeah. kind of yeah, like you gotta hack. Yeah, yeah, you're hack working your against your own flaws, right? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My thoughts on that are are that I agree, and uh, I wanted to just bring this full circle. You know, Brandon, because while we've been talking, I've done it. I've cracked the code. I've made okay. your glorious acronym. No, no. Yeah. Way. Yeah. Are you okay, ready? Let's, let's hear this acronym. Okay. It better be good. All right. I'm calling it geese. All right. So <laughs> G is going to be get. Uh, all right. Okay. Get. You get. You got to get them. All right. That's your hook. Entice. All right. I like get right? them. You got to tease them. Right. You got to entice them with a little bit of knowledge. Establish. Okay. Establish credibility. Right. And then gold. Right. All That's right. Show and tell. Right. Show and tell. Show up. Give a performance, make them feel razzle dazzled, and then at the very end, encourage. That's your E. Encourage them to to take to take some action today. Follow you. You know, click that like button, hit the notification bell, and it's that, my good, friends, man. is geese. It's the geese you method. You heard it here first. Thank you. <laughs> the yeah, beardy you know, geese. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's the what's the line, David? The people person. I'm a geese goose. <laughs> yeah, one of the best memes you ever put posted is it's this like old pilgrim looking <laughs> like Puritan holding a goose in his arms or her arms, and it the up at the top it says I'm a people person, and then near the goose it says I'm a geese goose, and something about it just like hits your funny bones so hard when you see it. I don't know, like the whole image together. We were talking about that earlier. That's funny. Uh, so good, so good. All right. Well, Brandon, if people do want to follow your content, if they want to invest in your properties, where do they find you? Uh, so let's, let, I'll give you a couple spots. Um, if you want to see like how our kind of funnel works, uh, like when people join our email list, we actually have a text message list. Uh, that's at beardybrandon.com. Beard with a Y. Beardy brandon.com. Uh, we didn't really talk about that today and I don't want to dig into it too deep, but I'll make the one point on that is social media is great, but you do not own your followers on social media. Mark Zuckerberg does, right? Like you don't own it. Uh, Google does. In other words, you could be shut down. Your account could get hacked. You could lose everything. It happens all the time. And if you all don't have two-factor authentication on your mm-hmm. devices, do it right now. Please do it oh, right yeah. now because everybody's everything getting hacked more. right now. Yeah, everybody's getting hacked right now. But anyway, um, so number one, uh, you don't own your people. You have to get them onto an email list. You need people's email or their phone number. That's how you're going to connect with people in the future, which goes back to what David, you said earlier, is keeping that warm with, with text messages. So we have a text message list. Again, beardybrandon.com. David, you have one as well. Behind the shine. I like that. We got behind the beard, behind the shine. And uh, why, why do we have that? Because I need, I, need their email, I need people's emails to communicate with them. If I ever want to write a book, if I ever want to launch a fund, if I ever want to you know, do a meetup and say, hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Who wants to come hang out? I want to do that via text message or an email. So anyway, that answers your question and offers some more, hopefully, advice for people is uh, get an email list of some kind. And you can join mine at beardybrandon.com and beardybrandon on social media everywhere. Yeah, let's right, have a challenge it. here. Uh, I want you to go okay. download Brandon's text letter at beardybrandon.com and then go to dgtlive.com slash text letter. So it's like David Green Team Live. Who's is better? Dot com. Yeah. And not only do I want you to see whose is better, I want you to comment on each of our Instagrams to say 
yours was better or on Brandon's <laughs> his was better because mine I'm like the bad guy in a movie where like I specifically engineered like a weapon that could take out this specific superhero like I studied Brandon's text letter and I'm like how could I make mine better than his cuz everything he does is more aesthetically pleasing than anything I've ever done so I really 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 need to know that my text letter is better than Brandon's and I'm okay to admit that so please go I follow have- it and then see it and see what tell us what you think I have a severe problem with yours, though, like a like a real problem with yours. That's kind of irritating me. Uh, you have a logo on yours of your of your face and your in your body, and your arms look like they're like little chicken arms. And you, look at your arms right now. Give me a flex, David. Let me see your arms. Let me see your muscles. Let's see it, man. This Everybody wants to so see bad. it. Let's see it, man. No, I want to see your I want to see your 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 Hulk arms. Yeah, look at David's arms. Those are not the arms in his logo. So whoever designed your logo needs to put on these like man arms on your logo. Like you should be like, like hugging your logo like that. Yes, you need like you need to show off the guns, man. Because you got guns, you need to show them off. Don't be so Great. shy, All right. Dave. That's my problem. You're making my face red on <laughs> the podcast on. for two hundred thousand people to be seeing right now. <laughs> that's that's what we do. Thank that's you for do. that. Anyway, yes, yeah. Don't let that distract you Rob- from seeing if mine is better than Brandon's. I really need to know how we did. By the way, we need. We have we have behind the beard, which mm-hmm. is my text letter, which I goes out every Wednesday. Oh shoot, I forgot to give Matt my. my I got to do that right after this call. I'm going to give him today's behind the beard. Uh, we have David's behind the shine. What is Rob's behind the? What we were sort of. Uh, What's your text letter going to be? We were sort of like kind of uh, workshopping this just now. I think it's beyond the quaff. Okay, I think I don't know how to spell that, so that might have a problem. C O I. We're going to go with it. Quaff. I was going with Q. I I was way off. That's honestly understandable. It's surprising to me that Quaff is spelled with the C. You can also go Pompadour. I was thinking like you you're the only one with glasses here, so you, you I was gonna go with something on that, but that's okay. Oh yeah, a rip right, on lenses like or frame, something like that. I'll workshop it. Mm, yeah. Ooh, ooh, that's good because you're like the <laughs> mm, the video guy. That's right. Well, I spent all I, I spent all my good. creative juices today on the on the acronym, so I can really only do like one. That was pretty good. Day. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna workshop that a little too. <laughs> All right. Anyway, all right. Where were we at? We are so uh, off track. Plus, David, yes, beardybrandon.com or odcfund.com. If you're an accredited investor, please give me your money because we're going to take down some big deals. There you go. How's that Absolutely. Work? That's pretty good. I'm David Green 24. Check me out. I got somebody running my social media now. Tell me if you think that I should keep him or if I should fire him. Because <laughs> that, that person, that person is me. This. Uh, and then uh, you, can, you can find me on YouTube at Robilt, R-O-B-U-I-L-T. A lot of people, a lot of misinformation out there. People call me Robilt. It's Robilt, mm. you know. Uh, Instagram, Robilt as well. And TikTok, Robilto, if you want to see me dance the real estate game. And the last thing that we will all say here is all of us have people faking our accounts and messaging you to get your money. The most recent one was uh, David Green Backup 24, and it says, this is David's private account. So now my DMs are full of people saying, is this you? None of them are me. Dude, I got literally 20 text messages from all of my friends today because I guess someone did the exact same thing. It's so frustrating. I'm like, oh, guys, I well, All right. Well, thank you very much, Brandon Turner. Any last words before we let you get out of here? No, do you guys not do the famous four anymore? Did we kill that? Do you want to do the famous four? We you're gonna. No, I. I mean, I just did you kill it? As I, I mean, no, we just it didn't make sense to do it with you. Famous four. Question number one: What is your favorite real estate book? There's a million of them, but I'm gonna say the same answer I've said every time somebody's asked me this. It still is Rich Dad Poor Dad. Uh, Question number two: What is your favorite business book? 
I think we should change the famous four question to what's an impactful book you've read recently? And if that was the question you asked me, I'm going to go with a book called The Crisis of Comfort. I don't even know who wrote the book, but it was phenomenal. I recommend it to everybody. It's not even a business book per se, but it is a a book about doing hard things, which I think applies to business. So I'm going to go with that book. And then outside of, let's see, how can I, how can I throw you a curveball here? Okay. Outside of jujitsu, surfing, hanging out with your daughter and your wife and building a real estate empire, what are your, some of your hobbies? Yes. Buying stuff from Pottery Barn. Buying stuff. <laughs> That's a, a good one. House. And so we have been buying thousands of dollars worth of stuff from Pottery Barn. So that's my hobby these days is buying stuff from Pottery Barn. Hey, Rob, do you see now so, why I say you and Brandon are like the same person? Rough. Dude, I love Pottery, pottery <laughs> Barn. I, like it always got pottery bad barn and, and like TV mm. and stuff, but it's legit. And Crate yeah. and Barrel. No, you go in there and you're just like, it feels so good. Yeah, Crate and Barrel show. I agree. I agree. Anyway. Where does it. Bed Bath & Beyond fit into this? Oh, low tier. <laughs> low, I don't know, low, I don't know if we're going to have time. I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right, Brandon. In your experience, what makes successful investors different from those who give up, fail, or never get started? They build a machine. Well, usually I'd tell right, you, you uh, to you tell us me. where people... Oh. Yeah, yeah, we already asked. So, I mean, yeah, how about you just leave us with, uh, you know, a little, a little golden tidbit, and then we'll end there. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Jim Rohn. That's good. That's it. I'm just quoting somebody else with a tidbit. <laughs> It was like my That's favorite fine. quote. So I'll leave you with that. I didn't say it had to be a Isn't that good? <laughs> yeah, here's why this is such a powerful quote. Let me say it again. If you really want to do something, you'll find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. Because people listen to podcasts, like they listen to watch YouTube videos, and the natural reaction is to find a way to why that won't work for you. You will like um Gary Keller and Jay Papazan wrote in the one thing, if you argue for your limitations, you'll win every time. Uh, and people do constantly. This is why this episode won't apply to me. I'm not good at this. I don't want to build a brand. I'm not good at that thing. If you argue for your limitations, you'll win every time. But if you really want to do something, if you really want to raise money, bring in partners, bring in team members, build your team, you know, raise private capital, all that stuff, you will find a way. You will get good at the social media, the branding, the reputation building if you really want it. If not, you'll just keep coming up with excuses. So stop your excuses and go make some money. All right, Brandon, we're going to let you get out of here. Thank you for being back on the show. It was a great time. For BiggerPockets.com, this is David Green for Rob. I'm bringing Tidbit back Abasolo. Signing up. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. 
Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.